This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by Ben and Jam and McKenny Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens, Ryan Kenny. Ryan, still no Jacob Chickery trade. Not yet. No. See, what's crazy here, Ryan, is that every week for the last two weeks, we've come on here, we said, you know, no Jacob Chickery trade, but you'd think, you know, next time we start recording, in a week, there would be one. Still hasn't, but half the league has been traded since. Everything else happened. Everything else happened. Um, There really isn't much of an intro here because we might as well just hop into the trades that happened over the weekend or on Monday because we're recording this on Tuesday. So let's jump into it. First, I think with the biggest one and the one that took, uh, you know, as someone who writes the news hits um, and then, you know, does the analysis on it and and is sort of on call, if you want to say it, um, the most annoying one. Um, was the uh, was the Timo Meyer trade right. from San Jose to New Jersey? Um, there are so many pieces. I don't even think it's 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 worth even mentioning all the just random uh, uh, like ECHLers and prospects. But basically, it is Timo Meyer um, and Scott Harrington going to the New Jersey Devils uh, in exchange for Andreas Janssen, the Leafs legend, um, uh, Fabian Zetterlund, a, a first round pick in uh, in 2023, and then a bunch of other conditional picks. Uh, in there, so why don't look? This is this is gonna gonna sort of tie into the crazy arms races happening mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference right now. I don't think we've ever seen something like this, or at least as far as I, like since I've been covering hockey, have not seen an, an arms race this intense in a conference. What are your first thoughts on the Meyer trade? Yeah, I mean that was sort of a fun blockbuster. Uh, I, I liked a couple of the prospects that they got. Shakir Mukhamadulin uh, was a player that you know, having spoken with uh, the Devils recently for Future Watch, mm-hmm. you know, this is a defenseman, uh, very strong. Uh, you know, can be sort of that transition guy. Uh, having seen him uh, before, uh, you know, World Juniors and whatnot, he's got a booming shot. He's mm-hmm. six foot four. Uh, this is a player that was going to come over to play in AHL Utica once his KHL season mm-hmm. with UFO was finished. Uh, now that he has, uh, he has San Jose property, not sure what the path is. Maybe he goes maybe to the Barracuda. The yep. Maybe it's the same thing. Uh, they'll have to work that out because I know the Devils had a pretty good relationship uh, with Mukhamandul and, and his Russian team. Uh, Nikita Kochek is another player that actually mm-hmm. played in the OHL, uh, kind of a rough and ready defensive defenseman. Um, so, you know, there's some potential there, but I mean, you know, the main piece, Timo Meyer. I, I mean, this is huge for the Devils. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a team that I think it's fair to say has overachieved this year. Like, yes, I, I think the the kind of base level of expectations were okay. The Devils have gotten to the point where they should be a playoff team. Yeah, uh, but I think a lot of us probably thought like, yeah, maybe wild card. No, they've been one of the best teams in the division. Uh, you know, in Carolina. Yeah, Carolina has surpassed them uh, in the Metro, but they're still one of the best teams out there. And you add Timo Meyer to a top six that already had Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt. Uh, I mean, this is just a huge injection of uh, not only skill and talent and, and two-way ability for the team, but, you know, this is, to me, this is a reward from GM Tom Fitzgerald yes. for saying, guys, like, you did it. You came together, you know, we've been healthier than usual. Um, yeah. You know, the, the young guys have stepped up um, and we're getting the goaltending we needed mm-hmm. from Vitek Vanacek. Um, so let's, 
let's do this. Now, they're basically locked into a first round matchup with the Rangers. Yes. Uh, Who are likely going to have Patrick Kane at their disposal. Very possible. And already traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, That's going to be a fascinating matchup Mm -hmm. and a great rivalry already. I mean, these two franchises and fan bases hate each other. And you you love to see it. You do love to see it. When it comes to the playoffs. Um, But yeah, it's an arms race. And the Devils definitely, you know, threw down and said, like, we, we don't intend on being first round fodder like we're we're going for this now ryan i don't like to be dramatic i think no. you know i think i like to i think you know if anyone knows me i think it's i i'm it's for my measured takes I think. Uh-huh. um so i think we should take that in consideration when i say that the new jersey devils assembled an oceans of level style crew mm-hmm. george clooney at the helm but we have like don Cheadle breaking the safe and, right you know, like Andy Garcia in there, whatnot. Yeah, Don Cheadle with his British accent for some reason, and Brad Pitt's right. eating stuff. Yeah. And they robbed the San Jose Sharks blind. Mm. Um, they went in there and they like stole the Hope Diamond uh-huh. and and got away without a trace. They got like all season long. We've been hearing about Timo Meyer. He's one of the most you know like sparkling, dazzling, the bell of the ball when it comes to an asset, mm-hmm. right? And you know he's he's young. He's he's twenty six years old. You know he's. You know, he's got like 30 to 40 goal, like, you know, sort of like that's his, that's, that's his sort of a, a, like plateau, really. Like that's sort of what he, he can get even better than that. You know, he's been doing this on a very weak team. Mm-hmm. He's great two-way, does all this stuff. He's an RFA. Yes, he's got that big sort of qualifying offer, but you can, you can negotiate something else with him. No matter what, you still have him as, as an asset. And they tra- and they got him for, you know, a guy like, you know, sort of two borderline AHLers, uh, like a first, but I think it's also conditional, a bunch of other conditional picks. And like Muka Badulin, who's not an A prospect, I don't think. Like he's... He's top 100 in Future Watch. Okay. Like we, we just closed Future Watch, and I can say yes. a little sneak preview. He, he was number three on the Devils yeah. uh, page behind Luke Hughes, who obviously is very high, mm-hmm. and uh, Simone Nemich, who was obvi- obviously yeah. very high as well. I believe Hughes and Nemich, yeah, are both... Top, they're definitely top ten. They might both be top five overall. Yes, so they were so able to be third to those two. Yeah, so they were able to get Timo Meyer without trading two first round picks, mm-hmm. without trading Alexander Holtz, mm-hmm. Dawson Mercer, you know, uh, uh, Simone Nemich, Luke Hughes, uh, uh, you know, really, you know, like anyone really. They're like Mook Madulin, Like they, I just listed two defensemen who make him sort of obsolete in that system. Like this is an incredible trade. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the Devils, and then if you look at their cap situation, the only the only forwards that are signed for next season are you know Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Andre Palat, and Dawson Mercer. Mm-hmm. They are going to have, and yes, obviously they're going to have to resign a bunch of guys and whatnot. But like they're going to have a ton of cap space. So if they want to qualify, um, Meyer, they likely mm-hmm. could. If not, like they'll they could you know negotiate a very very good extension with him. Mm-hmm. This is a phenomenal trade. It, it makes them. Like the Devils were always a good team, you know. Like they 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 did they had a phenomenal offseason. John Marino has been a friggin' you know godsend for that blue line. Yeah. Um, but they always they did in in my eyes at least seem like maybe sort of a half step back of the rest of the Eastern Conference. I you know you look at them going up against a Boston or a Toronto or you know like or pretty much Tampa, any other New York, any yeah. of these other teams. Now they're right at the top. Like now they're now they're in that elite juggernaut sort of stage. They just added Timo Meyer. Um, you know, for and, and kept their entire, pretty much the entire sort of 
uh, young pool of players that they mm -hmm. have, very enviable young pl uh, pool of players they have together completely. This is a phenomenal hockey team. Yeah, and you know, I, I think what we've seen so far is that the the market has been more of a buyer's market than a seller's market yeah. in terms of returns. The exception, of course, being the Tanner Genot trade. <laughs> Which we're going to talk about and that. We'll get into that. Um, but I thought Julian Breesball made some very good points on that. So we'll get to that later. But for the most part, I, I think, you know, if you can get a first rounder, and the condition, I think it was if it was like top two, and it's like yes. the Devils are not going to be top two, like they're going to the playoffs. Yes. Um, so it's, it's really just a first rounder. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it really does feel like, you know, I mean, We've seen multiple first-rounders traded already mm -hmm. uh, for this draft, and it is a strong draft class. But that seems to be the really big uh, get. The, the price, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like I, I think teams, when it comes to their top prospects, they're very reticent to get rid of them for yeah. obvious reasons, uh, especially because the league has been skewing so young in recent years. Um, so for me, I thought you know San Jose did pretty decent here. Okay. Um, and, and again, with the backdrop of... Uh, Myers qualifier, which you do have to factor in, like other teams that might have, you know, thought about making this deal would have to say, okay, well, can we afford 10 million plus next year based on what we already have? And you're right, you know, they could do a renegotiation where they say, okay, maybe, you know, uh, we we don't qualify you, but then afterwards we go back to the table and we do a deal that's six or seven years for whatever it happens to be. Um, they have $23 million coming off the cap in just the forward core alone, though. That's the thing. Right. Like, they have, they're going to have a lot of space. They could qualify them if they want to, I think. They and could, but again, it's, it, when you're in such a good position yes. cap-wise, yes. um, you know, you want to be as prudent as possible 100%, with yeah. your assets. So it's good to have that freedom. I, yes, absolutely. And, I, and look, I think that the fact that Santa, like, Mike Greer clearly wants to rebuild. He, 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 it seemed that way ever since he took the job and he, and he's done a good job of that so far based with how sort of like with the handcuffs that he's had, right? Cause he was able to get something at least for Brent Burns, you mm -hmm. know, who's, who's played phenomenally for Carolina, but still like, that's a huge long contract for an older player. Yeah. Need to get rid of him. Like Timo Meyer, I wrote even last year before he took over, Timo Meyer needs to get traded. Like he could get you a huge haul of assets. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed by, by this, uh, um, by this package just because he has all these sparkling sort of uh, um, like things that you would want in a young asset. And, mm -hmm. all, and, and also like a first round pick, yes, it's uh, uh, like a lot of them being traded, but they're not being traded by, by the teams that are really going to pick, that are really going to get like super impact players, or you at least would think it's super impact players at the top of the draft. They're all, right, they're not high picks. Exactly, they're all yeah. contenders. And, when you, and like we all have seen the studies or whatever where it's like, you know, after pick like 15 or whatever, it drops off considerably mm -hmm. the chances of that player playing, you know, 100, 200 NHL games. So I think a lot of, and, and Kyle Dubas said, and we're going to, this is a good segue into the, the trade the least made yesterday, is that, you know, like they're far, far more comfortable dealing their, from their draft capital uh -huh. as their prospects because they know their prospects. Right. They're with them all the time. They, they, they chart their growth. They know sort of like what their ceiling is going to be. And, and draft picks are the mystery box. And they become even more of a mystery box when you're, when you're picking 28th, 29th overall, as you would hope so if you're making moves like this. So right, right. I think that the New Jersey Devils, like hats off to you. Phenomenal job. You have Timo Meyer on your team now. To go in the playoffs, that's incredible. Uh, the East is insane. So yes, the, then then we go over to the Leafs trade, uh, which seemed to be. And keep in mind, this is not the last trade they're going to make. They have to make another move. 
um, to activate Matt Murray off of um, LTIR. So they're not done yet, but as of now, they, they acquire um, Jake McCabe at 50% retained salary and Sam Lafferty and like two conditional fifth round picks uh, in exchange for a 2025 first round pick um, and then prospect, uh, a 2026 second round pick and then pro prospect Pavel Gogolev, who I will get into not necessarily even really a high prospect anymore and uh, sort of tweener Joey Anderson. Mm. It's hard not to think that the Leafs just added two very good contributors for some pretty good value there. Yeah, and this is uh, obviously a, a little more subtle of a deal than the Ryan O'Reilly blockbuster that they already mm -hmm. made. Uh, but yeah, Jake McCabe obviously had been doing yeoman's work on that Chicago Blackhawks blue line. Oh my goodness. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how he fits into uh, a decor where he doesn't have to be spectacular all the time mm -hmm. and, and log those really hard minutes. And I, I think... You know, I, I've seen some sort of chatter online that the Leafs don't have, like, a definitive number one defenseman. And, and that's probably true. Like, Morgan yeah. Riley is a number one, uh, but he's not maybe not Norris level. No, he's not good defensively. But, but then you have Mark Giordano, and you have TJ Brody, and now you have Jake McCabe. And this has been a very good defense core throughout the year, as you've mentioned mm -hmm. a couple of times. Even with injuries, uh, the statistics are very good for them. So, yeah, this... Definitely rounds the Leafs out. Lafferty, another guy who can oh, play yeah. in your fourth line, very fast. Uh, you know, you think about him and Noel Achari, those are two big upgrades. Because oh. um, it did feel like a lot of the Leafs' bottom six was just like guys that didn't make the top six. Uh, now it's a lot more defined, I mm -hmm. think. And, and again, you know, they're basically locked into a playoff series with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you have as much depth as possible because you know Tampa Bay comes at you with some of the best players in the league, whether it's goalie Andre Vasilevsky. Or, or Tanner Janelle. Center Braden Point, Victor Hedman on yeah. defense, Stamkos and Kucherov still out there and, and you know playing very well. So, yeah, I mean, if you're Kyle Dubas, you basically have to like just load up as much as possible because, I mean, face it, like you have to win round yeah. one. You know, like, that's the bare minimum. Well, this goes, this move goes to show me that, like, and, and we obviously knew this from day one, but, like, this, they're not, they're not just going out to win round one. Like, yeah. this is a, this is a roster that can compete for the Stanley Cup. Like, this is, um, and I think these are the two pieces that they, like, these are two luxury pieces almost for them. Like, this is, like, they could have gone into the, I think they could have gone into the first round with Tampa with the lineup they had before this trade, you know, mm -hmm. with, like, after getting Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari and, you know, like get some pieces back and, and, and they could have, I think they could have beat them. And now they have a legitimate top four defenseman that they just added right away. And then they also have a guy in Sam Lafferty who is going to give them, you know, just incredible value down low. They're, both of them are also signed um, for next season. So they have, and Jake McCabe's 50% retained. So you have Jake McCabe for another two seasons after this at $2 million. Yeah. He's also 28 right now. So he's just, he's going to be, he's right smack dab in the middle of his prime. Sam Lafferty, I believe, is $1.175 million for next year as well. Phenomenal job. And, like, let's be real. 2025 is not a real year. Um, so, like, who cares about that draft? Right, right. Um, but, like, as, what I also think um, about this as well is, like, this, it just gives, um, it just, it just gives the, the, the team so many more options. Right. Like, like they, the thing about Jake McCabe, and this is a stat that I, I tweeted out yesterday, I included it in my sort of quick analysis piece, and I don't even know how this is possible, but it's true, is that Jake McCabe on the season, and keep in mind, plus minus is not a very big, it's not, you know, we can't take, 
We can't like you know microanalyze it. It's only really when there's big swings involved that it really mm -hmm. tells a story. And there's a very big swing here because Jake McCabe is a plus seven. No other Chicago uh, defenseman is a plus on the year. Mm -hmm. In fact, his partner, Seth Jones, is a minus 22. Um, so, and keep in mind, Jake McCabe was logging 20 minutes a night for the 2022-23 Chicago Blackhawks in the toughest matchups. Mm -hmm. And he's a plus seven. Yeah. And everyone else around him it, who plays his position, yeah. guys who are in the lineup for one game, guys who are in the lineup for 59 games. Literally, I looked at this. Yeah. They're all minus. He's a plus seven. That just right there goes to show, like, what is he doing right here? Yes. And then Sam Lafferty as well. He's not shooting unsustainably. He's extremely fast. This this gives him everything. And what and what it also does is um, it potentially allows them to go into the playoffs with, you know, uh, Justin Hall as their their seventh. Yeah. Another thing too is at the least like they they need to make another move. They they. Uh, they're, they want to activate Matt Murray off, off uh, LTR, I think pretty much before the deadline, or at least at the end of this week, which is the deadline. Yep. Um, and I'm no insider, but I'm hearing, like, but I'm legitimately hearing, again, this is something I'm willing to put my, put my name on as well. And I think it was reported elsewhere too, so it's not too much. But like, Alex Kerfoot is a legitimate guy that they're shopping now. That's 3.5 million off the books there. Who they could get, I don't know, but they're not done. I think... Like if, if they haven't signed, the Leafs haven't signed Kyle Dubas to a contract extension, like, you know, by the end of this sentence, they've made a mistake because he's had a phenomenal, phenomenal trade deadline. But he still has to win around. He still does. But like at this point, what, like, what else can you do? Like you, yeah. like look at what he's, look, he, they haven't traded a single roster player really or top prospect. And they've gotten Ryan O'Reilly at 25% of his salary. Yep. Noel Achari, Jake McCabe at 50% of his salary, and Sam Lafferty. And they haven't, they haven't sold off anything on their active roster or any top prospects. Like, mm -hmm. everyone thought, oh, they're going to have to get rid of Nyes. they have to get rid of uh, even, like, Nick Robertson, even though he's injured. Like, they're, no. Able to upgrade. It's, pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty good in my books. And Chicago, that rebuild is off to a, to a rock and start. We're going to talk about that a bit later, but that is a... It's a fun team moving forward when it comes to their assets. Yeah. Um, all right, another another big trade. I think this is the most fun one that we can talk about here because uh -huh. I think we have differing, maybe differing views on. I'm not sure. Uh, as Tanner, you know, right. Um, this is the trade that, like, and I th I also tweeted this, but like I looked at this, I looked at the return for this trade, and I thought like there has to be blackmail involved in this. <laughs> there has to be a criminal activity because this is insane. The the <laughs> the Lightning traded five draft picks. And Cal Foot. And Cal Foot yeah. to get Tanner Janot, who has four goals on the season. Yeah. What? Yeah. I think it's five. But he had 24 last year. As oh, is it five? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, my See, I talked, I talked myself into this trade uh, in various ways already. <laughs> That's always a great which, sign. Which I do. Uh, it's a lot of picks. Uh, but Tampa Bay, Jim, Julian Brisebois. Uh, was quoted, uh, I believe Chris Wren had it, where he was like, look, I'm trying to win right now, and draft picks don't help me right now. And even if we drafted those players, they wouldn't help us next year. Yep. They might not help us for two or three or four years. Mm -hmm. The guy that I got right now will help us immediately. Our goal is to win you know, another Stanley Cup. Tanner Janot, I mean, you know, I wrote about him last year for the rookie issue because he was one of the leading rookie goal scorers in the NHL. Yes, he, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and he was right up there with Lucas Raymond in terms of goals. He was also older, though. He's 24. He is old. Yeah. He was an undrafted free agent. Yeah, in the CHL, even. Yeah, yeah. played for Moose Jaw. 
and uh, just he was not a good skater when he played junior. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, as as other players have done, including Braden Point of the Tampa Bay yes, Lightning, yes. who also played for the Moose Jaw Warriors, it's pretty good. Um, you know, he got his skating sorted out, and uh, what you were left with was a guy who can score, a guy that can fight, a guy that can hit super hard. Yep. And Nashville got him essentially for free because he was an undrafted yeah. free agent. They didn't have to spend a draft pick on him. So if you look at this from Nash Nashville's perspective, they just got five draft picks mm -hmm. and Calfoot, um, a young defenseman, a youngish defenseman, I guess, at this point, uh, for one season of Tanner Janot, where he was really good for them. This year has been a bit of more of a slide. But they didn't have to spend a single draft pick, no capital whatsoever, and they got Calfoot and five draft picks. So to me, for the Predators, this is a huge win. Mm -hmm. For Tampa Bay, if it helps them get back to the Stanley Cup final, and you know, if Tampa Bay beats Toronto in the first round and plays Boston in the second, Tanner Janot is going to be a rock star in that series. Oh yeah, he is like that, like he is like an anti-Bruins missile. Mm -hmm. Then. It's all worth it because the only thing that's better than the draft is a Stanley Cup ring. No, absolutely. And Julian Brisebois already got a couple and he wants more and he's going for it. So I have talked myself into this trade from all angles. I think, look, I think that two things can be true. I think that the Lightning likely see something special in Tanner Janelle. I think they see something in the way. Like, also keep in mind, too, that like, when they, and you know, Breezebois brought up this argument and everyone on Twitter's brought up this argument where like, you know, oh, people were criticizing the Barkley Goudreau and the Blake Coleman. Like if you look at their numbers beforehand, like yeah, they, you know, first round picks were a lot to give up for those guys, but they were proven contributors. Yep. And yes, like Juno had a, had a great season last year. He was shooting 24.5%. Uh, and now that has gone down to a still pretty good 11 and he's got five goals on the season yep. in 59 games, I believe it is. So that's, that's worrying there. It's a sophomore slump for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, and like Brandon Hagel was still a very good player. He, they played a lot for him, but he was still a good player. Like, you know, like he wasn't in the middle of a terrible slump like this. Um, I think two good things can be true. The Lightning clearly think, see something special in Janot. They see a great fit in him. They believe that he can get back to even something resembling his, uh, his rookie contract or his rookie um, production. Yeah. And also the Lightning paid way too much to get him. Yes. Like that is... Like, we, we talk about, look, they're going for it, and that's great, and, like, draft picks, math picks, whatever, but, like, draft picks, math picks should be, like, should be something that you said about getting, like, a star, uh -huh. you know? Like, like cool, if you think that this depth player is really good on your team in a bottom six role, great. Giving up five picks for him, including, like, two second rounders, yeah. basically gutting an entire draft class, that's, like, you cannot talk me into that. That's just dumb yeah. from asset management. It might be good to help your team win this season, great. That's yeah. all you need to do. You know, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, everyone on that roster is getting older by the day, just like we are. Amazing. But like, um, but that's 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 an absorbent price to get. Yeah. I'm sure he will fit in great. Yep. I'm sure he will be a phenomenal contributor for them, specifically in the playoffs. Definitely. On top of that, though, he's also still not signed for next year. Like, there's no like at least when. But he'd were, be an RFA. Yeah, but at least when you were getting the three guys we mentioned before, like you know, the, the Hagel, Goudreau, and Coleman, they at least had another year on their contract. Mm. This is a like this this. Was just clear. This this strike me as like a, a something in NHL uh, like twenty three GM mode where you're like where you're, where you're, you like a guy and yeah. you're like I'm just going to keep adding draft picks until they say yes. Yeah, and, and that's I, what happened. And I think it's important too because it's funny because Janot's name was out there. Yeah, and I was like, why would Nashville trade Tanner Janot? Like he's not old. 
you know, uh, like I know that they're not, I mean, they're still kind of in the mix and they've been playing a lot better mm -hmm. than a lot of teams in the West lately. But it's like, why, you know, he's, he's still under team control. Like, why would you do that? And then you find out the return. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. If somebody offered me that much. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, okay, well, you twisted my arm. Yeah, there's also a sense of like, if I was, if I, if I was Nashville and I'm looking at that, I'm like, why? Like, I'd be looking at that being like, what do you see that I don't see? Like, yeah. But a, a, a playoff, like, beast. Yeah, no, I 100%. Mean, yeah. And, and they, they were able to maximize it, which I think, yeah. like, the fact that, and we're going to talk more about David Poyle uh, a bit later in the show, but, like, to get, to maximize this value for Tanner Janot after, in my opinion, like, somewhat not getting as much return as you could have on Nido Niederreiter, just yep. a single second-round pick in 2024, mm. I think this was a great sort of reclamation of that. There you uh, go. Good job. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. This was definitely a win. I think for both teams, really, just because Geno's going to make the, the Lightning a better team. And uh, now the, the Predators, who are likely going to be, you know, moving into a bit of a retool, as mm -hmm. we'll talk about in a bit. Um, they, they now have, like, basically an entire draft class that they just added. Uh, pretty good. And then another trade that happened, you know, at, like, 11 on Friday night. Um, Dimitri Orlov and Garnett Hathaway to the Boston Bruins. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, first-round pick going the other way. Uh, uh, Craig Smith, you know, stuff like that. So this is... Just a phenomenal trade for the Bruins, I think. I, and I think the biggest, the biggest thing that happened to me was, like, I was expecting the Bruins were going to make a big move, obviously. You know, mm -hmm. they're the best team in the league, but also they, they are, like, they need to sort of fortify because this is potentially the last dance for a lot of their, their players, and clearly they've, they've upgraded here. Yeah. But Washington's selling. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because, I mean, that, that was a team that was in a wild card spot yeah. as of, like, a week or two ago. But clearly... They're, they're four points out. Right. Yeah, but I think they saw the winds of change, and they were like, "We can't, we can't hang." Yeah, and and that's okay. At some yes. point, you know, you need to replenish. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I, if Washington was a playoff team next year, it totally wouldn't surprise me. They still mm -hmm. have fantastic veteran players, uh, but I think they know that they need to sort of restock the coffers, and and maybe at the end of the season, we see some young guys come up mm -hmm. from the AHL. Um, but it, it is, it's interesting because this trade, I mean, it came before Toronto's McCabe-Lafferty trade, but it's a very similar trade mm. where it's like a defenseman that can play in your top four and a player that can play on your fourth line that is very, you know, playoff ready. Yes. Uh, so for the Bruins, yeah, it was obviously just going to be tinkering. You know, Hampus Lindholm was the biggie last time. Yes. Uh, you know, they already have the fantastic core, and then David Krejci came back for perhaps one last dance. And he's doing great. And he's doing great on that second line. I mean, they have Taylor Hall in their third line. That's the sort of luxury that Boston is operating on right now. That's just, yeah. Wow. So, and again, the mission for Boston is obvious. Stanley Cup, they've been the best team in the league by far. Oh, yeah. Basically post to post. And again, this is a matter of making sure that you're covered off. And now, I mean, you have Linholm, Charlie McAvoy is your, you know, number one with a bullet. Like, that's a solid top end to their decor. And they're already a good defensive team overall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've got it all. And I think this is just a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Like, making sure that they were fortified for what's going to be, you know, an absolute bloodbath in the Atlantic uh, come playoff time. Absolutely, and I think like look a, a top a top four of Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, um, um, Dmitry Orlov, and Brandon Carlo. It's pretty hot. Like holy smokes, that's incredible. Um, 
I'm really, I think this was, this was a shockingly prudent move by the Caps, I think. Like, I was, because I, I came on here, um, I think, like, a couple weeks ago, after they played the Leafs, after I was able to see them in person again, just be like, this is the most, like, mid-roster. Mm. Like, this is, a, this is a roster that, that is, like, engineered for a first-round loss. Yeah. And I think they realized that and were like, let's, let's get some assets here. Totally. Now we have two first-round picks. And, and they don't have to use those first-rounders because Ovechkin, you know, again, he's, like, going to be 38 next year. And they want to, and, and I believe it's even um, Leonosis has, has said, uh, that they that they they want to keep competing until he retires. Yeah. So they could parlay those into another impact player. They were already capped out. Now they're not going to be. That. I don't think they were going to be able to re-sign Orlov because of. And the Bruins aren't either. Like this is. Um, it was reported, I believe, by Chris Johnson that like opposed to the Hall and Lindholm sort of deadline additions of, of the last two years, like um, Orlov is going to be a pure rental. They say like oh. they they will not be able to afford to to re-sign him. Yeah. Um, so this is like balls to the wall. I love it. This is exactly what a team like Boston should be doing at the trade deadline. And now like they, the, you know, the monster has gotten even scarier. Like this is an incredible roster. I cannot wait to see it in the playoffs. Like Orlaz seems like the perfect addition. And Garner Hathaway, one of the best bottom six forwards in the league. He, because it was first reported that it was only him going, uh-huh. And I'm like, that was that is the most Bruins deadline edition. I'm Garnett Hathaway. Right, right. His name is Garnett. Like, come on. He's yeah. going to Boston. And then obviously, oh, the top pair defenseman is coming with him. That's pretty sweet. But yeah. that that's just a phenomenal roster right there. Yeah. And you know, and talking about that second draft pick from Washington's perspective, yeah, you know, yeah, they could trade it for something. Or you figure their own draft pick is probably gonna be around like, like 16th, yeah, 15th, yeah. you know, whatever. If there's a guy you really want, trade up. you trade up. Yeah. You take that second first round and you say, hey, there, you know, we really like you know, Zach Benson or we really mm-hmm. like Ryan Leonard or whoever it happens yeah. to be, and you move up a couple of spots to make sure you get your guy. Yeah. Hey, look, it, it gives them options. Exactly. And I think when it comes to teams that are looking to rebuild or teams that are taking a step back, there's no better, there's no better uh, luxury than options. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. All right. There are a couple of reclamation pro- like, okay. Patrick Kane's going to get traded to the New York Rangers. It's going to happen. I believe after Wednesday, back they can start because just due to some waivers and, and, and cap situations, this has been the longest, like, just kiss already, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, type thing. So good for them. They're going to get Patrick Kane. Um, you know, kudos. I think that's a phenomenal deadline. Feels like Braden Schneider's involved since yeah, he's been held out as well. Probably. Or I think it's... Ryan I, Carpenter. I think that's... I think Schneider's due to a... a, uh, a, a a cap thing, like I think they had to send him. Down. I don't know if he's getting held up for. But trade he, I think reasons. he was on the bench. Was he? Okay. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, guys. This has been the most ridiculous trade saga I've ever seen. So yeah. cool, whatever. As long as it happens, great. Maybe wait until Friday so we can talk about it on the Hockey News live stream. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So another, but another thing that's happened is um, there have been players who've been who've been traded that are pure reclamation projects. Mm. Pure guys who you know like have really shown flashes but weren't able to fit with their teams. Two big ones, obviously, the, uh, the Vancouver Canucks were able to acquire Vitaly Kravtsov uh, from the New York Rangers, another, a move that helped them with the cap. This guy's a ninth overall pick, former ninth overall pick, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And obviously, the, the Canadians um, uh, were able to acquire Denis Gurianov uh, mm-hmm. in exchange for um, Evgeny Dadanov. That's pretty good. So let's talk about Kravtsov first. Um, very interesting that he just straight up didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, going to Vancouver now, what do you think? Okay, so the reason I put these two together is it occurred to me that 
It's interesting with reclamation projects because if you're a bad team, and, and Vancouver's been better lately, kind of to their detriment because, you know, they'd prefer to be higher up in the yeah. lottery. But, you know, if you're a bad team like Vancouver and, and more so Montreal being one of the worst teams, you bring in these guys and it's like, can you really get an accurate sense of how good they are when they're playing on a team where it doesn't really matter if you win or lose uh, and you're just kind of out there uh, that would be my concern sort of long-term. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kravtsov, the knock on him, he's a big body, but he doesn't go into traffic. He mm. kind of plays to the outside too much. Um, you know, the production and the commitment haven't been there with the Rangers. He went back and forth to Russia a couple of times. Yeah. He didn't really want to be in the AHL in Hartford. Um, so, you know, it, it just felt like that relationship, it, it was just too rocky. It was so, eroding for a long time. Yeah. yeah, so in Vancouver, you've got Kuzmenko, you've got uh, Vasily Podkolzin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got a couple of Russian guys there that hopefully he can sort of, you know, uh, get in with and they can show him the ropes and maybe he gets a little more of a comfort level there. Maybe um, ask Nikita Trip. Tremenkin or Triemkin about how much he loves Vancouver. Right, exactly. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting because, again, you know, Vancouver's kind of testing some young guys out. Yep. And, I mean, Anthony Beauvillier was already an established NHLer, uh, so he's not really in the same category, but he's also not old. He's looked amazing, yep. you know, playing with Elias Pedersen on the first line. Um, but this is sort of where you experiment where mm-hmm. with your when you're Vancouver. And same with Montreal with Gurianov, where we've seen him have – awesome runs for the stars in the past, but it hadn't been consistent enough lately. And, you know, Dallas, again, they're one of the best teams in the West, so they can't really have passengers at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dodonov is a guy that can get hot, and, you know, I mean, he's a pure points guy, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he bolsters their top six. Um, in Montreal, again, it's like, hey, go out and have fun. Marty yeah. St. Louis is one of the best offensive players in the past, like, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so Montreal can see what they have in him. Now, does this make either of those teams better? I don't know. Um, because again, you're, you're dealing with players going from good teams to bad teams. The expectations are lower and you know, there's a reason those teams are bad. Um, so I'm a little reticent to, to call it like a win right now. I think it's going to take like a a couple of years to really say like, oh yeah, that was a steal when they got you know, crafts off or they got Gurianna off, it really worked out. Um, I, I don't know if it makes either of those teams better, but what it does give them is kind of a tryout for, you know, a player who fell out of favor in a different market. I've been high on, on Gurianna for a while. I was able to see him pretty intimately um, in the, the Calder Cup final series that I covered mm-hmm. uh, um, when he was with the Texas Stars. And he's, he's got a hard shot. I think he's going to, I think going into a system with Marty St. Louis, who we've seen pretty instantly turn around some some young guys who are offensively inclined, who are struggling. You know, Cole Caulfield, but like Kirby Doc, even mm. for example, guys like that. <coughs> the one thing that I really want to want to talk about here is with Kravtsov. Like, this is another example of the New York Rangers being, at least in this era, being just completely unable to develop a forward. Yeah. Like, look at all the play. Like. Lafreniere is either on the trade block right now or like he's just not performing. Capo Caco is not performing. Um, Leas Anderson went away. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like now we have Kravtsov. There are others that are just like even slipping my mind. But like when it comes to their first round picks that they pick on, that they use on forwards, this is, this is, this is damning. They, they picked this guy ninth overall and they traded him for like a third round pick basically. Like yeah. that, that's, 
what what is it with this organization? You know what? I mean, it's it's is interesting. It well, sorry, is it what? Is it Gallant who just like will not play young players? But this goes before him, yeah. right? You yeah. Know, like he's only been there so long. Chris Drury's only been in charge for so long. Mm. Um, I, yeah, you just kind of have to look at the development path and um, you know what has been the holdup because you're right. It, it definitely has become a trend at this point where you Troubling say like, one. okay, what's going on here? Like you know. Lafreniere was first overall. Kako was second overall. Yeah. Like, you should be getting, like... And, and granted, you know, they're kind of, like, stuck in a place where they can't be on the top line because you have Panarin, Zibanejad, mm-hmm. you know, uh, now you have Tarasenko, you know, Chris Kreider's a top Patrick six guy. Patrick Kane, eventually. Patrick Kane, eventually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having said... And they do have that kid line with with Philip Heedle that was working pretty well at times. Yes. Well, Heedle's been great. Yeah. Uh, another first round. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like they haven't been like as spectacular no. as their draft slot would indicate. And yeah, I think that's something that the Rangers are going to have to ponder, um, you know, assuming they do not win the Stanley Cup this year. If they, and again, if they win the Stanley Cup Who this cares, year, then it's man. like, eh, whatever, you know, uh, it all worked out. But if they don't, then I think they really have to look themselves in the mirror and say, what are we doing wrong here? Yeah, because this is... Is it the evaluation or is it the development? I think it, like I think it's a combination of both because like I think the two sort of like most egregious sort of examples of this were like Kravtsov and then Leah Sanderson, mm. uh, two first round uh, forwards, uh, you know, two top twenty picks. Kravtsov was a top was a top ten, um, but the entire time like these like the uh, both they they like yo yo these guys and both these guys were like we'll just go back home like we don't yeah. need this and I think there's that's a combination of like you know, picking guys who are maybe not fully in it or like not willing to play the game, I don't know. And then on the other hand, there's there's like, well, maybe don't yo-yo your top guys. Like maybe mm-hmm. develop them or let them marinate until you know that they're gonna be here a long time because, you know, I'm, I'm 26, so I'm clearly not as young as these guys, but one thing that young people like myself mm. uh, um, really enjoy is stability. You right. know, some sort of sense that, uh, some sort of sense of routine, some sort of sense of, of just, uh, you know, yeah, stability. And when you're getting yo-yoed back and forth between you know, two different teams, two different cities, different leagues, potentially different countries if you're going back and forth uh, between Europe and not. Like, that's not going to help you. It's not going to help your team. I think uh, I think it's a combination of both. And then with Lafreniere and Kako, like, Lafreniere was healthy scratched earlier this year. Kako's literally in the heart race in my NHL 23 uh, Be a Pro. Um, <laughs> I am the captain of the New York Rangers, by the way. And there you he's, go. he's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal player, but that is make-believe. Like um, Stevens for GM. Exactly. Uh, all right, so moving on, we, you know, we kind of hinted at this uh, before, but there are two teams here that have uh, a very interesting, or I would say sort of fun paths to the, uh, to the 2023 NHL draft, which is, as a lot of people are saying, is, is the deepest draft in recent memory. It's a kingmaker draft, as they like to call it. Chicago Blackhawks, they have two first-round picks uh, and three second-round picks yeah. um, based after they sold pretty much everything that isn't locked down. Um, and then the St. Louis Blues, on the other hand, who pulled sort of what the what the black or the um, the Capitals were doing, but they did it a bit earlier, where they thought, yeah, we kind of suck. So right. let's take a step right. back, trade off. Oh, they got three firsts. Mm-hmm. Who's got the more fun draft board here? Yeah, you know what? I mean, St. Louis doesn't have any second rounders. They do have two third rounders, mm-hmm. uh, but I still think you know, like three first rounders. That's like really tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that teams that have had Three first rounders in recent years. It doesn't always work out well, for whatever reason. Boston was the biggest example. Boston was the biggest. You know, Columbus uh, a few years ago had three, and 
None of the players look really. Kirby Reichel, oh, Marco, yeah. Marco Dano, and I can't remember who the other one was. Two of those are Marley's Legends, so there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I might go Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, although I do think the St. Louis having three first rounders is great for that organization because they already have Kyrie, Robert Thomas, yes. you know. They, Jake Neighbors, guys like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, they have young players. I'm still a big Scott Perunovich fan, even mm -hmm. though he's been injured so much, and that's really too bad. Uh, but he's still young. Colton Pareko. Um, but if Chicago, you know, two firsts, uh, and, and let's face it, one of them might be first overall. Yeah. Right? If that pick is first overall, then it's like everything changes for mm -hmm. the Hawks. Um, that second pick, you know, will be very valuable as well. But three seconds, again, you know, we've talked about it, the flexibility of being able to move a couple yes. of those to go up or to even just get a veteran player. If, you know, like say you get Connor Bedard, you're like, who cares? You kind of say to yourself, like, okay, well, that's a roster player. Like, that's our number one center. Um, you know, and then Lucas Reichel will definitely be on the roster next mm -hmm. year full time. He's been amazing in the AHL. So will Kirby Duck. Oh. The past year and a half. Eh, they didn't like Kirby Duck. No, I know. Um, so, you know, Connor Bedard kind of changes everything. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, just a great sort of table setting for the yeah. Hawks, who obviously are going through a rebuild, and we don't even know what they're gonna get for Patrick Kane. That's true. You know, specifically, like I assume Ray Schneider, yeah. uh, and I assume a first rounder, um, but I don't know if Ray even have their first rounder this year. Do yeah, they, they do, they still do. Have they? Okay, uh, so like, no, they have, well, they have theirs from uh, Dallas, I believe. Right, Because so. with the Niels Lundquist, another young guy that they just dealt for no reason. Like, uh, what's there going on here? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with Chicago uh, objectively, but I will say that St. Louis also in a great spot. I was going to yeah, like parlaying off yours, like I was going to say, how do we define fun? Because yes. fun, you know, for, for maybe a prospect head like you is, you know, being able to use those picks on really interesting players. And fun for me is being able to use those picks and parlay them into roster additions. Right, right. So, and, and I think St. Louis, they got these three first round picks. They've already been rumored to be in on guys like, uh, like Jacob Chikrin. And, and at the time, Timo Meyer, like they were, mm. where they can, they can use these to do a quick turnaround for next season. I yeah. think that's a lot of fun. I think they go on the draft floor, anything can happen. And they're like, look, we got three firsts yeah. in, in this draft. You know, like, let's say Jacob Chikrin doesn't get traded. Like, we got three firsts in this draft. We'll give you two. Give sure. us Jacob Chikrin. And right, and, and, and right away, the St. Louis Blues look a lot better for next season. Very true. Be very cool. All right. Finally, um, Big news that happened sort of right in the middle of all these trades yeah. uh, was David Poyle. And it's, and it's a very interesting when a GM makes a trade and then the next day announces that he's going to retire. Yeah. I think that's very wild. But David Poyle, 26 years at the helm, he's the only GM the Predators have ever known, um, announced he's going to retire at the end of the season on June 30th and be replaced by Barry Trotz, who was the first head coach and the longest tenured head coach, most winning head coach in their history. Um, uh, is going to be replacing him as GM, not coach, but GM. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. It'd be long rumored that he wasn't interested in coaching anymore. He wanted to do a management job. And now, yeah. I mean, this is, I, I would say, his dream. Yeah. Um, and Poyle will stay on in, in a uh, consulting capacity. Um, this is just, like, this is a very, this is huge news that I think maybe came, like, three or four years too late for Poyle. But, hey, man, like, give a guy credit. He's the only GM in NHL history to reach 3,000 wins. Um, you know, the, the guy who helped sort of build the Nashville Predators as an organization. Mm -hmm. um, hats off to him. What do we think of this? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll call this kind of just a celebration of yes. David Poyle's career. <clears throat> um, 
you look at what he had to do, particularly early on yeah. with the Predators, where you know, you know, for a while there they had some ownership issues mm-hmm. and you know didn't have much of a budget. But the scouting staff that he put together and what he was able to do from a development development perspective, and then of course you know getting results on the ice. Like you think about getting Pekka Rinne so late in the draft that that round doesn't it exist doesn't exist anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, getting UC Saros. like they and. Well, and just overall, Nashville has basically always had a good goaltender. Yes. You know, Thomas Voku. And, and defense, too. They've always and then had defense, a good line. Yeah, defense. You know, you think about, like, Shea Weber, Ryan drafting Sutter. Seth Jones. Yeah. Ryan Suter. Matthias um, Ekholm, Ryan Ellis. Exactly. You know? Like, all, like, Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi. Didn't even right? mention the 90-point defenseman. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. yeah. The, like, and, and the fact, I also like that Poyle has been bold. Yes. Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, one for one. P.K. Subban yeah. for Shea Weber, That's, one That for was one. like the biggest trade of, of the cap year at the, at the time. Like in terms exactly. of like seismic shifts. Yeah. And that was like a big put your balls on the table type of trade. Like exactly. that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and getting Philip Forsberg in a trade for Martin Erat with Washington. Um, so, I mean, Poyle definitely uh, has put a stamp on his own legacy already. Mm-hmm. Got the Preds to a Stanley Cup final. They didn't win. But, I mean, that's really all you can ask for is to, like, have a shot. Yes. And, and then just quickly pivoting to Barry Trotz. It's interesting to me because it's like, okay, he doesn't have any management experience per se. But the two GMs he has been around in his career, David Boyle mm-hmm. and Lou Lamorello. Yep. So he has seen how to run a team. Well, like Brian McClellan, but he won a cup there. But, you know. That's true. That's yeah. true as well. Um, so he has seen some of the best do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very intrigued to see uh, how different the Preds are under Trotz, if they're very different at all. Because, I mean, frankly, they've been very successful mm-hmm. uh, over the years, and they've definitely um, you know, developed the assets to be a contender uh, in the West for years. And now they're on a bit of a decline, but they've shown that they can pop back up before. I always like it when sort of like legends of their craft walk away at a, I think at, at an opportune time. You mm-hmm. know? And I think that Poyle, maybe this could have come like two or three years early, but I think Poyle is walking away at the perfect time for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like there being sort of like little moves here or there that kind of think like, ah, maybe he doesn't have his fastball anymore. But keep in mind, like this, like you said, with everything, like this guy is a guy who, you know, he, there's a reason why he was there for 26 years. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal. He did a great job. Yeah. And I think that now he's realizing like maybe... I just don't have it anymore, or may, or maybe like it's just time for a change. Maybe he just wants to kick back. He's twenty. That's that's how long I've been alive, man. There you go. Like my entire life, he spent in that in that front office. That's a long time. I'm very old, Ryan. And so like it's like kudos to him. And I think Barry Trotz coming in here, like that is that not like a prodigal son returning type thing? Like I that is any Nashville beat writer. This is narrative Christmas for you. Totally. Like I always say, like, I was going to say, you know, like, the, I would say the biggest narrative Christmas for me would be if the Leafs reacquired Luke Shen and then won the Stanley Cup. Uh-huh. I think that would be, like, I would be frothy at the mouth to write that think piece. But, no, this is, imagine if, you know, like, David Poyle graciously steps down, gives it to Barry Trotz, and then he, and then the, the coach that helped bring them into the league, then as the GM, brings them to the top of hockey's tallest mountain. Love it. Um, all right, Ryan. Well, no mailbag today. We have you with yes. Rapid Fire. Keep the rapid fire rapid. Let's this do will be it. Fun one. Okay, first one. What cartoon should they bring back? Oh, gee, Recess. Okay, I don't know. What that you is. know Recess? 
Oh my goodness. I'm in my 40s. I don't no, know. I know, but I thought maybe, well, actually, you know, it's right in between when you weren't watching cartoons anymore and your kids are too young to. Um, mm. Recess was a phenomenal uh, 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 cartoon. It was on Disney, I believe it was on, it was on Family Channel here. It's a Disney cartoon, but okay. it was about these kids, uh, um, you know, like he, it was, it, it, it treated the playground like it was almost, uh, uh, I don't know, like the most Eisley Cantina in Star Wars. Like it was a very, like the under, the, the underworld of the playground, you know, there was a kid of the, there's a king of the jungle gym and, you know, like all this. It was, it was awesome. The characters are great. I think it would be phenomenal to bring it back. I loved it. That or The Weekenders. I'm not sure if you knew about yeah, that, but The Weekenders was a similar thing. Basically, as growing up, I always liked cartoons that showed um, kids being cool. And, gotcha. that, and that was that cartoon. What about gotcha. you? My answer actually predates myself, but like I saw the reruns when I was a kid, and it's oh. either Wacky Races or Laugh Olympics. I don't, I don't know either of those. It was just like Hanna-Barbera characters. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, and uh, Laugh Olympics, they played games against each other, and there was a bad guy team, and Scooby-Doo mm -hmm. had a team. And, oh, La there you go. and Wacky Races was just like... Wacky races. They had funny cars and they went around. The I know, world. I know about that one. Yeah. yeah, I think it should be a reality show. I think they should do it in real life. There's actually a great South Park episode that is a Wacky That's Races true. parody. Yeah, That's the right. handy car one. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, in my opinion, you add Scooby Doo to anything, I'm in. There you go. Next question: What is the greatest rap rock combination uh, ever? That is to say, a hip hop group or artist and a rock band coming together. Oh, it's Linkin Park and Jay-Z. Oh, you young people always say that. No, but it, the, the Numb Encore, like, yeah. you know, it's that, that was, do you have any idea how many times I, I thought, I, I yelled about how my parents don't understand me while that was playing in the background? That's every Linkin Park song. It, yeah, it's true, but like that was, I think that was, that was great. It, it was both of those artists, I think at the height of their powers, they came together and somehow it just worked a beautiful harmony. There you go. The correct answer is Bring the Noise by Public Enemy and Anthrax, followed by okay. an entire Judgment Night soundtrack. You know what? A gem. That, uh, that was really, the first answer was really good. Um, yeah. All right. Do you have any more? Final question. Okay. Gun to your head right now. Who's in the Stanley Cup final if it started today? See, the West, it's, uh, the West is ridiculous. Like, I don't even know who to pick out of it. Oh, my goodness. Um, I know it's gun to my head, but I'm just going to pull up the teams here, even. Okay, gun to my head, and this is gonna sound crazy. You're gonna you're gonna call me a homer, but Leafs on the Leafs on, on the east side. I do think this is the year oh. they break through. Then I gotta go Colorado Avalanche. I do think it's gonna be Leafs Avalanche. Um, I think a healthy Abs, a healthy Abs blue line. Yep. With now the added vibes of Jack Johnson being back there, mm -hmm. unstoppable. Interesting. I'm going Boston Dallas. Going chalk on that. Dallas, one. huh? Interesting. Yeah, they got playoff vibes all over they the do, place. They do, they do. Very yeah. good. And they have Evgeny Dadanov, so there you go. undefeated. Well, Ryan, right. that brings us to the end of the show. No Jacob Chikrin trade as well. I mean, the next time we talk, the deadline will be passed. Um, so you would have to think the there would be one then. If not, big disaster. Um, we're doing a big live stream. That's right. Uh, so tune into tune into uh, pretty much the hockey news platforms on any social media, really. Uh, and uh, we will be there. We will be broadcasting uh, during the, you the know, trade deadline. During the trade deadline. Two to four Eastern. Instant analysis. That's right. You know, breakdowns of everything. I will be writing the entire time, so I will try to make cameos on it, but it'll be great. Um, yeah, enjoy. Enjoy the trade deadline. Enjoy the week that is coming up. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week.